Hello, my name is Sam Clements, and welcome to the Love of Cinema, a Picture House podcast proudly supported by Kia, powering independent cinema. And welcome to this mini edition of the show. What we like to do on this podcast is, as and when filmmakers are in town or visit our cinemas, I like to try and stick a microphone in front of them and ask them some questions about their work. And that is exactly what happened today with writer-director Sean Durkin, who made this incredible new film called The Iron Claw, um, I guess you're just on Sean Durkin. He's someone who hasn't made a lot of films in, in the past 10 years or so, but the ones he's made have been incredible. He directed Martha, Marcy, May Marlene. That was his first feature film. And uh, more recently made The Nest, starring Jude Law and Carrie Coon, which is a really beautiful film, quite haunting. I believe, if you're in the UK, it is on BBC iPlayer. Would recommend checking that out when you're at home next. However, when you're at the cinema next, I would recommend checking out Sean's new film called The Iron Claw, she has a wonderful cast, including Zac Efron, Jeremy Allen White, and Harris Dickinson, who was most recently in Scrapper uh, only a few months ago. Uh, and it's the story of the Von Erich brothers, uh, who were a family of competitive wrestlers. And uh, and I guess if you're in the UK, yeah, sort of wrestling maybe isn't quite as big a sport, but it is very cinematic. And uh, whilst it's based on a true story, uh, I, I just found the sort of story we see on screen so compelling, so well played, and and beautifully acted uh, by these leads and it's a nice period piece set in the early 80s so there's some some interesting 80s sort of flourishes in there too but um, anyway that's enough from me <laughs> you're not here to listen to me uh, you are here to listen to director Sean Durkin who spoke to my colleague Frida Cooper when he was in town for the Iron Claw premiere uh, just a couple of weeks ago and, and Frida kindly went along uh, with a microphone to ask him a few questions. So please, over to Frieda Cooper and Sean Durkin to talk about The Iron Claw. The film's in cinemas now. Hope you check it out. Ever since I was a child, people said my family was cursed. Mom tried to protect us with God. Pop tried to protect us with wrestling. He said if we were the toughest, the strongest, nothing could ever hurt us. I believed him. We all did. Well, Sean, lovely to meet you, and congratulations on the film. It's it's so powerful. Thank I've, you. I've seen it twice, and both times what I noticed was when everybody, when the film had finished and everybody walked out, everybody was so quiet as if they were letting it just mm. sink in. That's nice. Because there was just so much to, to take in. You're probably sport for choice in terms of an answer to this question, but what was it about the Von Erich story that fascinated you so much yeah so many things i think looking back now the core of it or i don't know one of many cores i was a big wrestling fan as a kid and i think the reason that i loved wrestling was because it helped me express i had all these feelings all this emotion and not necessarily an outlet for it and I could go to wrestling or watch wrestling and sort of feel, you know, elation at my favorite wrestler winning or just fury at loss, you know, could feel this, all, all these things and, or physically go to, to a match and sort of scream. I think that's what wrestling is to a lot of people. I think it's, it's a place to go and have an experience and to feel there's a real theatricality about yeah, this as well. Though. Absolutely. And, a, and an engaged 
audience, you know, and and yeah. and so I think what I recognized was that okay, the guys in the ring are performing this, but when they get backstage, they sort of immediately go back into this sort of tough, you know, deal with it masculinity and. The Von Erics in particular, I was interested in this sort of when they go home, they can't express any of their feelings. Mm. And I think I connected to that and I wanted to explore uh, the contradiction between this extreme show of emotions in the ring and this repression backstage or at home. I gather, though, that you didn't actually get in touch with the family or Kevin anyway until after you'd written the script. Yeah. Why was that? Uh, I wanted to have the space to explore the story and find out what I felt it should be for the film that I wanted to make. I love the family. I loved Kevin as a fan. And I worried that if I met him, I'd love him even more and it could influence my choices. Never make heroes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's true. Once I have met him, I do love him even more. And, you know, I had to keep some distance, I think, to to do good work. And, and, and you need to have that emotional distance. I, I had an experience where um, I got very close to subjects in a film I was working on and it complicated things. And uh, I also had the privilege of a lot of open interviews. Kevin's a, Kevin is very articulate and vocal about his experiences, both good and the bad. And there was a lot out there published that I could draw from. So I think had I not had access to that, it would have been different. I would have reached out to him. But because I had that, I had the ability to keep some distance until I knew what I was making and then I could go to him and say this is what I'm making and why I'm making it and you know it was it was definitely the right choice in the end. So to what extent are the family involved in the making of the film? I, I noticed on the credits that some of them are background wrestlers but I couldn't see anything in terms of them say being producers which no. very often happens. No they weren't they weren't involved in that sense and again it was about just you know, creating the right distance, but also bringing them in at the right time. And I, you know, I talked to Kevin uh, before we were going into production. I called him and told him what the movie was and what we were doing and then invited them to set. And some of them came down to set. His couple of his kids came and Carrie's kids came. And, you know, and, and it was just an ongoing dialogue. It was just like constantly telling them what was going on, what it was about, what was left out and why. And then showing them the film when it was done, you know, a private screening for just them and, you know, multiple screenings if they wanted, you know, just giving them that private time to sort of process the movie and ask questions. And, you know, they really didn't. They really, as a whole, really were happy and supported it. And you mentioned there about what was left out and why. And there's always an element of creative license mm -hmm. when you're telling a, a true story. Now, in this case, I believe one of, one of the brothers is actually left out. Mm -hmm. what, what was the thinking behind that? And how did Kevin and the family feel about that? Well, it was really tough for me. And it was a part of, you know, a part of why keeping that distance was important because I knew I had to make tough decisions. And I was so invested in this family and so loved this family. And Chris, who's the brother who's left out, was in the script for five years. And I loved the character and I fall, you know, totally fallen in love with his section. It's been but so hard then to Yeah, but the script didn't it didn't work with him in it. And it didn't work just not just because of the repetition of suicide and which was a big factor, but it just didn't 
it didn't work to sort of at the point in the story. Like I had to separate myself from this family that I loved and the reality of it and say, okay, this as a story is not working to, you know, after Mike's death, delve into another death that follows basically the same trend as, as Mike, which is that another brother tried to get into the ring, wasn't physically capable of wrestling, committed suicide because he felt like a failure. And not to boil it down too much, but that is essentially the story of it. And so it, it was a tough choice, but it felt like the choice to make the script work and it made the film happen, I think. The title, The Iron Claw, I know has been used in, in books about the family as mm. well. I wondered how much, though, you felt it was a bit of a gift. Oh, huge gift. In terms of yeah. encapsulating yeah. The, the two main elements of the story. Yeah, I never really know the title of my film until I worked on it for a couple of years. <laughs> they always come quite late, but this came before I ever wrote a word. <laughs> I mean, it's just, uh, yeah, it is a gift. It's obviously, you know, this f family finishing move, it's you know, represents Fritz and everything he stands for, you know, had this sort of sort of gothic image, which I am really drawn to, this sort of mythical, almost genre touch to it. Yeah, yeah so it's, yeah, it was it was perfect. It's almost like a classical tragedy. I, mean, it I is. couldn't help thinking that Shakespeare would have had fun with these absolutely. guys. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> He'd absolutely. have had an absolute ball. Yeah. It has, though, been described as a sports movie as well. Do you see it that way? Yeah, it can be, if you want to, <laughs> if you want to see it that way. It is. I mean, it is, uh, there's a lot of sport in it, but it's not just, I would say, first and foremost, it's a family drama. And I would say that's that's what I focused on. But I also am passionate about sports and wrestling and wanted to get that right. And so I think it, you know, my goal was that it delivered on all fronts, but that you don't need to like wrestling to like it. And you don't need to know anything about wrestling or sports mm -hmm. at all. You know, it's just it's just what they do. It is their profession. There's some spectacle and some thrill in that, but it's it's really about the emotional side of the this family and how they communicate or don't communicate and and this notion of, you know, this sort of family curse and how it hangs over them. The opening sequence in the film put me in mind of another movie mm -hmm. and you probably won't be surprised when I tell you what it was <laughs> no, <I won't>. um, <laughs> with the black and white photography and with Kevin's narration it made me think of Raging Bull yeah did you have that in in the back of your mind when you were making it yeah not even in the back I mean Raging Bull is a huge influence on the film both for you know I, I think there's not a ton of wrestling movies that are the right tonal reference for me for this so I drew a lot on boxing movies and Raging Bull was the the main influence also because it has to do with you know masculinity and brotherhood and all of those things and so yeah it was a big 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 influence um also I feel like Raging Bull in a lot of ways wouldn't get made today and you know the other Why? film that was a big influence was The Deer Hunter it wouldn't get made today films like that sort of stop being made. I mean, obviously Martin Scorsese can make Raging Bull today, but uh, it would be different. And so I'm really influenced by that era and wanted to try and make something, you know, that also a lot of people wouldn't make today. Interestingly though, you didn't stick with the black and white. No, and the black and white decision had nothing to do with Raging Bull. 
actually. No, I was, I was but, just wondering yeah. why, because actually I felt it probably would have suited the film very well. Mm, yeah, but it also so much of that era is about this color. And, you know, we made this decision, my costume director, a uh, co costume designer pointed out really early on that wrestling really embraces primary colors and we had to do it. And and so there was sort of, we wanted to have this very like bright, uh, colorful palette and, you know, felt very sort of American and of that era. So that was really important to have both. And mm. yeah. It's the showy side of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the focus is very much on the, the four brothers and they're all very distinct characters and presented the individual actors with very distinct challenges as well. Which one would you say was perhaps the hardest to cast? No. Can't imagine any of them were easy. Well, they... <laughs> or were they? Well, it's not easy or hard. It, it's not... It's not like there were any particular challenges. Like, the challenges are were in the physicality, I guess, of getting people who could be physical, but... It was. It's. I don't know. I sort of go character by character. I mean, in some ways, like finding finding Mike, you know, Stanley, we discovered through casting, and that was a long process because I really wanted to have someone unknown in that role, you know. So in some ways, like finding him kind of took the longest. <laughs> I guess I don't know. But all, this whole cast is sort of a dream for me. I've wanted to work with them all individually for a long time. So it was sort of like you know, reaching out to people I was really a big fan of or had known a little bit. So I got to piece them together that way, so. Let's go somewhere new. See worlds we've never seen before so that we can feel inspired. Whether you're sitting in a cinema or in one of our cars, inspiration comes when we feel something new. That's why our electrified range is designed to take you on inspiring journeys. Kia, proud supporter of independent cinema. Kia, movement that inspires. So how did you get the actors playing the brothers to bond and actually have that connection that we see so strongly on the screen? Or, was, or did you just leave that up to them? No, some of that is instinct. Some of that is getting to know Zach. And I knew Jeremy for, I've known Jeremy a long time. We worked together a long time ago and I felt they would get along. And then, you know, I met Harris and I felt like he'd fit with them. And then I met Lily and we'd talked about working together for a long time. And I was like, oh, I think her and Zach will have, you know, good chemistry. You know what I mean? Like you think you sort of feel these things out, but you, you can't know until you're on set, mm. but they had genuine chemistry, all of them. I mean, it was a really special group and, and you hope it'll work, but it doesn't always work. Mm. But this really worked. And then you introduce Holt as well yeah. as the father, that incredibly dominant figure. So mm. that, how did that work as well? well? They had great chemistry too. I mean, we shot the, the all the ranch stuff for the first couple of weeks. And so there was a lot of downtime on the ranch. And so we were out in this beautiful place, isolated, you know, a lot of sort of throwing around the football, lifting weights in the, you know, that the gym in the garage that was, that was real set up. So they, you know, the guys were like working out and, and they all bonded and, you know, like they loved Holt and Holt loved them and they'd sit around, you know, we'd, we, we'd be lighting, you know, we'd be lighting the, the, the dinner scenes and they would just like all sit around, sit in for themselves and talk and laugh. And it was a real like family vibe developed. 
almost like home from home by the sound. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. So Holt is the most amazingly consistent supporting actor. He's incredible. Um, to the extent, actually, that he made me think a little bit of J.K. Simmons in oh, yeah. the, that sort of career, always playing supporting roles, always delivering, always adding value. Yeah, that's a good comparison. And, and actually, that then made me think, yeah, there's an element of Terence Fletcher from Whiplash in this. Mm. Most definitely. I mean, he, he certainly would never have said, good job. <laughs> <laughs> no way would he have said that. Do you feel that there's a, maybe a parallel between those two films as well? Possibly. I, I only saw it once and it was a long time ago, so I can't remember all the details. But certainly in a, you know, sort of... I mean, that film, like, though about drumming, is quite athletic in a sense, right? Mm. There's a real physicality yeah. to it. I mean, it's the same blood, sweat and tears that you get in Yeah. In this one. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, an interesting comparison, yeah. And the films attracted a lot of attention for, for a number of reasons. One of the main ones, obviously, being um, Zach as as Kevin. Sounds like he was your first choice for yeah. the role. Yeah. Did you feel that maybe he had something to prove in terms of doing a, a heavyweight dramatic role, given everything that's in his past? And did did you feel that maybe you were taking a little bit of a risk with him? Mm, not a risk, no. But I think, I don't know if risk is the right word, but I think you always also have to r take risks on actors. And it's not really risk, it's more of like not casting someone you've seen do it before. And I never cast... I never cast someone I've seen do that thing before, really. You know, and it's or if they if they've done a bit of that thing, you want to make sure it's really there's a different side to them. You know, like when I cast Jude in the Nest, it was like you could see a bit of uh, you know of his role from uh, from Mr. Talents of Mr. Ripley and his charm, but the other side of Jude like that he had to go to to play that role like wasn't just wasn't in his other work the same way you know so it was like and the same with Zach it's like I'd seen like glimpses of this thing of this like but I hadn't seen him do anything like I needed him to do here and and I feel that yeah I feel that way about everyone how did the real Kevin feel about being portrayed on screen by Zach Efron yeah after after Kevin saw the film he got out of the theater and he texted me that he was blown away by Zach. He was blown away by Zach's, you know, physical effort, his commitment to it. But also, more importantly, he said that he felt like that we had walked in his shoes, that we had taken the time to understand what he had been through, you know, which was the best possible. Yeah, you can't, you can't yeah. say better than yeah. that, really, yeah. from, from the man himself. Yeah. The, the fight sequences are, are really quite hard and quite quite tough at times i wondered how much the actors got involved in in doing their own stunts yeah entirely they did almost all of their own stunts with a, you know the, a couple of exceptions there's there's a handful of shots in the film that are stunt performers but otherwise the guys are doing almost That's everything asking a huge amount yeah no them. they wrestled full matches and they were you know even there's even stuff where we end up using a shot of a stunt performer but like they had also done it themselves in another take, you know, it was just because of angle or whatever, you know, so they were doing everything. They were wrestling full matches. It was amazing. And I noticed that Kevin was always barefoot. Yeah. 
yeah, w- yeah. Was that f- that yeah. for real? Yeah, that Was ver- there any was reason behind that? He, he just liked it better. <laughs> he just felt more comfortable. <laughs> yeah. he, he wore boots when he was training. Some of his training sequences, he was definitely, I'm sure he was wearing boots. No, 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 no. no I'm no, mistaken then. Yeah, no, not him. He... Yeah, he he always well he started wrestling in boots and then he lost the boots at a certain point oh. and then yeah but in the film he's always barefoot and then uh, apparently in life he was like barefoot a lot <laughs> so <laughs> that's where we got it like he was a hippie on the quiet his dad yeah. would never have approved yeah 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 that's and that was uh, something that really interested me I was like okay you know when I when I discover Kevin well I like loved Kevin as a wrestler when I was a kid but like when you get back to him and like look at him. Now, you know, he was like this barefoot, like almost hippie vibe living in Hawaii. And I was like, oh, that's interesting because that's like also like that's his purest self coming through, which I would have never been able to live under Fritz. And so he had to sort of find that distance. And that was that was really interesting to me. But also, you know, he found ways to sort of show signs of that and by wrestling barefoot. So he's a real survivor. He really is. Yeah. Sean, thank you so much for your time. It's been great to talk to you. Thank you very much. Thank you.